Before John and I get to tonight's show, I want to talk about Bet Online. With sports and the major leagues of sports postponing and in some cases canceling their entire slate, you may wonder, well, how can you still bet online? And so I wanted to give folks a little bit of my experience. Um, I was betting UFC. Uh, I'm taking Paul Fontaine and Ryan Frederick's picks in our column uh, that they do for the main UFC shows called The Big Payback. And I'm betting those, I'm betting their, basically their picks. They're, they're doing sort of a fictitious thing and I'm actually putting real money in it. And it was very easy to do on Bet Online. The UFC has not yet completely uh, canceled their calendar uh, of fights. They're doing some empty arena stuff. So that's a possibility. If you still, if you still want to use uh, Bet Online, that is one way to do it. Another way to do it is uh, they have casino games, and if you want to play poker and play blackjack, you can do that through Bet Online as well. So, even though the leagues, a lot of the sports are kind of going away for a little bit, um, you can still actually have some fun with Bet Online. So, go to betonline.ag, use the code BLUEWIRE for a 50% sign up bonus. That is Blue wire, all in one word for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John, we are in change times, my friend. How are you doing? Doing all right, man. Doing okay. Hanging in there. All right, so uh, I think everybody knows that this is not going to be the normal sort of podcast that we generally do because the news that is, uh, you know, taking over everything is just the fact that uh, the coronavirus is is in the U.S. and things are closing and canceling and leagues are shutting down and people are working from home and schools are closing. So, you know, I think that's the, as much as people want to get away from the story, maybe a little bit, um, I, we can't have a show without talking about it predominantly. WWE and WrestleMania is kind of a story out there and, you know, they are holding hard and fast about, uh, not, not, making sure that you know WrestleMania is not postponed at least as of as of tonight and look everything's going to change right news there I, I was going through my uh, athletic app and I was reading stories from yesterday that were already outdated because stuff had changed so fast so anything we say here it's possible that by the time you listen to this it will already be outdated um so you know, I think uh, the thing the the thing that kind of hits home for both of us is uh, we have families, right? And the virus, the the outbreak, the pandemic. Um, I guess yeah, I don't even know if you would call it an outbreak in the U.S. Yet there's lots of cases, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not like we know anybody who has who has the virus. At least as far as we know, it's not that close to home yet. But the fact that Lots of companies are taking precautions. Uh, is a big deal. We we haven't had a situation like this in quite a long time. Like I, I was thinking about this um, 
you know, there was the uh, the H one N one virus, uh, and I remember that being big. And I actually know someone who passed away from that virus, so that that did hit home. But I don't remember it as uh, as much as this. I don't remember it being as as crazy as this. And some people will say, well, you know, it's because of today's day and age, you know, society and social media and everything. And I think that's definitely some of it. It's always going to be, we're always going to evolve in communication like that. But uh, this one just feels different. You know, I was in Houston during 9-11 and I couldn't get home. And that was really crazy. And there was a lot of fear in getting home for a little while as well. But I still, you know, I, I may have a bad memory about that stuff, but this still feels different. And so, you know, we're just we're just going to talk about it. Like, um, you know, from your perspective as as a dad and as a husband with three children, uh, how are you feeling about everything? And, you know, I know a lot of our escape is sports and wrestling and stuff, and, and we may not have that very, very soon. How are you feeling about things? Um, I'm a bit worried, especially if, when... Not, not not just the kids, but my wife, because she has, uh, you know, asthma. She uses an inhaler sometimes, so you know, attacking the respiratory system is is very scary. So you know, I'm doing my best. I'm still going into work, and but now I feel like I wash my hands like every minute. And <laughs> I, I have my um, uh, I have my hand sanitizer too, so it's like washing and hand sanitizer. And just, just, you know, just trying to be smart and, 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 you know, stuff that we normally did before, but now we're like, you put more emphasis on it. So, um, just, just, just trying to be, you know, not take it here. My daughter, we kind of held her out of school for, you know, she went, she's only four, so she only goes two days a week. So, yeah. and she had this little cough. Um, so we're like, eh, let's just, let's just kick, take a break. Right. And, you know, so she missed this week and. And it's tough because, you know, kids need to be out and they need to run around and they need to blow steam and, you know, but now, you know, so that's, but we're, you know, we're going to take advantage of just having family time. Um, my wife and I have made a pact to sometime this weekend to watch a movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but we also have the conditions like there might be a good chance we both fall asleep during that movie, <laughs> but we won't get upset about that, but we're going to do our best. So, um, we're just gonna, so that's what I'm going to do. Take advantage of that and family time and just stay as, uh, as clean as possible with their hygiene and make sure everyone just washes their hands and, you know, like, you know, sounds like my daughter trying to teach her, you know, how important it is to wash her hands and everything like that. So we're, we're practicing that right now. So, you know, just to let everyone know, we will get to our normal stuff where we talk about the, uh, the Wednesday night shows, though, you know, I will admit I did not follow either show half as closely as I usually do because, you know, as I was watching AEW, you know, the NBA uh, Rudy Gobert becomes mm-hmm. patient zero for the coronavirus. And then Donald Trump shuts down all uh, flights coming in from Europe, except for from the United Kingdom, all at this time. And everything is going crazy as AEW is going on. So I didn't watch it that closely. And, you know, I watched NXT this morning, but, you know, it was kind of hard for me to just sit there and watch wrestling without thinking about like a hundred other things at the same time. So, you know, my review is probably not going to be too great, but we'll, we'll cover the important stuff. And uh, the, the other thing that's, you know, we've been looking forward to this for a long time, which is our, our 
third of this year of the We Want Flare series. We're talking about Luger and, and Flare from Starcade 88. And we're actually taking it from the top, like, you know, right from the end of, of 87 Starcade. So first, what we'll do is we're going to play an interview that I did with, with Big Dave Meltzer. We talked about Lex's early career and we got into about crockett cup 88 and then you and i will will pick it up from there and uh, that'll be you know our first segment of of this uh, three-week episodic uh we want flair and uh, and you know that'll be and we'll see we'll talk a little bit about you know wrestlemania but um i i do want to sort of mention you know one of the things that uh i think i think part of the reason why wrestling is so popular with a certain type of of person is because you can go to an arena and you can cheer and you can uh spend some time with with people just by traveling and that's that's part of this which i think it makes a lot of people frustrated about wrestlemania is you know i know probably like 50 people who circle their calendar for WrestleMania every year, no matter where it is. And that's like one of their main vacations of the year. And all of those folks are frustrated as, as I would be if that was, you know, a trip that I had planned. And, but it's also like, you know, this this thing, you know, we kind of have to put our lives on pause a little bit. And I know some people don't want to necessarily do that. Uh, they want, you know, um, you can't change, you know, I don't want it to change my life. I've heard that several times. And, you know, the only thing that I that I say to people is like, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting things on pause, like just to be sure, just to be safe. Um, we don't have to change for very much, right? We are a very lucky people. The fact that we live in the United States um, makes us like literally lottery winners to some extent. Now, some of us, you know, some of us struggle more than others. And, and that's part of part of the whole whole game. But just the fact that, you know, we don't have to deal with stuff like this on a daily basis makes us very lucky. So, you know, I'm not trying to give anybody advice. How you feel about this is definitely, you know, your free will and, and all of that. I, I would just you know, make sure that, you know, we, if you need to, that you can put things on pause for a little bit and maybe you find other things to do. Um, you know, I, I would hate for folks to be a little reckless when it comes to this stuff and then, and then, uh, you know, kind of pay for it afterwards. But, uh, so WrestleMania, they, uh, all these leagues are canceling and postponing the NBA, major league baseball is definitely delaying opening day. They have canceled spring training. Um, the XFL has canceled their entire season. I think they had about half of the season left. And yet, WrestleMania is still not canceled. I think they are going to try and decide within a week. Uh, Dana White is having empty arena matches at uh, uh, in certain places. I think one of the upcoming cards is going to be at the Apex, which is their gym. And so there is still stuff going on that has not yet been canceled. And I kind of wonder why. Actually, I think I know why. But, you know, what do you think about the idea that they want WrestleMania to, to go on and, and that they haven't canceled it yet? They're not getting out ahead of this like a lot of these other leagues. And they're kind of holding stubborn on this. Um, I'm, I think, well, I think they are going to postpone it, honestly. I think... I think when a push comes to shove, they're gonna. It's gonna happen, 
And I think they're just trying to weigh their options for another week. And as we talked about earlier, as you said earlier, it's an evolving story, like by the minute, right? So, I mean, they're just kind of checking things out. I think they will postpone. I think I think it's going to be postponed, and I don't know how they're going to, you know, they're peaking right now with storylines, so they can use those, I guess, possibly during Raws and SmackDowns, and then they could, um, if you know, if the shows, those shows still go on as well, you know, it, it's a weird time, but I think they will postpone it. I think, okay, I think is, will it be forced upon them? Or do you think that's Vince McMahon looking at the landscape and finally deciding like, okay, it probably makes sense to do this. Well, he hates sneezing. So imagine the coronavirus right now for him. <laughs> it's like- Dude, <laughs> when this thing is over, someone is losing a match to an invisible coronavirus oh gosh yeah i'm sure it's gonna happen like on a lot of indie shows for i mean sure. remember remember when he had uh he he had uh sean and triple sean h and god no remember yeah. it was sean and god right oh yeah sean and god for triple h and oh, first him and uh shane mcmahon shane. right yeah vince and shane yeah it wasn't the the proudest time of wrestling <laughs> We're gonna see it again, and Definitely God is gonna, gonna have be my replaced s- by coronavirus. There's some shows my I will have to have my kids skip. I think, <laughs> sure. um, but yeah, I, I think I think Tampa is definitely gonna put the hammer down because you know it, I mean, gosh, the NBA, you know, first one to jump on that, which which got everyone else thinking, right? Yeah, I don't think Major League Baseball was gonna stop playing until that happened, right? And they have to really look at things. Well, patient, patient zero is a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And, and patient zero makes you go, okay, more than likely, we if we employ, you know, 600 players, mm-hmm. there, there's a halfway decent chance someone gets it. And if they do get it, how quickly does it spread? And then how quickly are 20 of our players sick? And so... You know, yeah, it's an eye opener. You know, you know, the NBA actually just that just yesterday during the day, um, the Warriors were going to have to play an empty arena game. Mm-hmm. Yep. The mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, said, you know, anything over a thousand people, not happening. My my Belviv DeVoe concert on March twenty first no. canceled. No, well, actually, I think it gets post. I think it got postponed. I don't think it got fully canceled. Come on. Um, I was going to go to the Warriors game the weekend after that, and that's now obviously canceled. We should have led with the Belbid DeVoe. This <laughs> is <laughs> WrestleMania, NBA, Major League Baseball. We so can't go to Belbid DeVoe, damn it. It's 30th anniversary of Poison. Poison. That's a great. I, I know that song by heart. That's what's oh, yeah. crazy. Absolutely. Don't make me do it right now because I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, I do think that Vince is looking a little old man screaming at the top of his lungs lungs right now whereas some of these other organizations are 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 you know looking like proactive now mm. you know like you said NBA the, the you know the dominoes that you know the, the, that's when the domino started is with the NBA but uh, you know lots of lots of leagues and, and NHL followed suit and, and everything so um, I, I I hope that Vince would have the foresight but you know, one of the things is uh, our, our 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 friend on, on our in our Facebook group, Ryan Frederick. He said, you know, it's kind of I don't you know I don't remember if he said if it was coincidence or not. But the leagues like WWE and UFC and boxing to an extent that don't have unions were seemingly the ones that 
thought, you know, tr- we're trying to keep some of these events going. Uh, I thought that was an interesting point, uh, you know, for, uh, for Buster Posey, if the season doesn't happen, I don't know if he gets his full contract or, or what that, what that is, how that works, but I know he's not getting nothing. Right. And, you know, I'm sure Vince would probably have to pay a downside for some of these guys. But if the money for wrestling shows isn't coming in as much and he's got to cancel their, you know, their most, uh, I guess, I guess Saudi Arabia is actually more profitable than, than WrestleMania. But, you know, it's one of their big, big events of the year. Then they are going to take a hit. And I think he, I think WWE already came out and was like, look, like we're going to, you know, our forecast for 2020 is obviously going to change now. You know, I don't, I don't know if, today was the day to to bring that up but you know that 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 changes that 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 will change for them what 2020 was gonna look like and it's gonna change for everybody all the businesses and you know we we're talking about wrestling and mma and boxing but i mean the reality of it is like people are getting laid off because of this i just that's what i keep thinking about i think about that my job my job's international let me just tell you it was pretty slow today with my with my customers and who mm-hmm. I deal with and and you know China and Taiwan and all that. So um, it was a bit. Uh, I that's in the back of my mind, honestly. When I'm at work, there just kind of sitting there trying to keep myself busy and work on stuff. But I don't know, man. It's 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 a and I start thinking about people who don't have vacation time they need to take up, you know, the two weeks, right. Mm-hmm. To recover and how, you know, they, when they have rent to pay and can they pay that rent? And or if your kids are mortgage canceled, who's going to watch the kids if yep. the cares are closed yep. too. Exactly. That, that, I know I, all that stuff was just, that's the stuff that's been weighing on my mind. Yeah. Honestly, I wasn't really worried about Buster Bosey's contract as much, but you know, um, but that, yeah, that stuff was definitely, uh, def- that's the, that's the real, that's the real deal, man. And, uh, it's a scary time. Hopefully, you know, I'm sure we will pull through and hopefully it doesn't go as, as long as, as we think it is. So, yeah, you know, if, if you take care of your service people, you know, your restaurants and, and tips and, bartenders and and stuff like that and you know just in the hosting industry as well like like those those folks are probably going to struggle for for a while there with the stuff um there uh there was a there's going to be a uh, boxing match this weekend with Shakur Stevenson put on by ESPN plus that is uh, finally canceled i think that was at MSG mm. uh like i said the UFC stuff seems to be still ongoing supposedly dana white said that uh he talked to donald trump and and mike pence like imagine your mentors like the people you go to for advice about whether to keep your business going you just call the president you're like hey um is dana don't want to shut down. Is everyone overreacting to this stuff? Major League Baseball, NBA, are they got to be overreacting, right? Yep, they're overreacting. Just be careful. You, your shows doom an empty arena. You should be fine. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure if those are the two guys that I'm looking for for advice here. But you know, whatever Dana's got him in in the cell phone, uh, and <clears throat> and uh, SmackDown tomorrow or today, based on people listening to this, is going to be from the PC. So they're not even running their their normal smackdown show at the arena so their things are changing for them and will even there be if fans WrestleMania there? is still on 
Are they letting that's, fans in for this show? Or so that's they... that's a good question. I know AEW. Well, and we'll talk about some of these the, the AEW show in a second. But next week they're running from Dally's place, and from what I understand, it's a restricted fan experience or something. So it sounds like there's not going to be a lot of fans God, there. Why does that sound so familiar to me? Dally's place. <laughs> Not like I've seen like like shows. It was a show. Well, they, shows they, ran, yeah, they ran there a couple times. Okay, 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 okay. That's what. That's what. I'm like. Why does that sound familiar? I'm trying to think. For some reason, I thought some bar show was gonna happen. Well, no, I think it's. I think it's like a smaller venue. Yeah. That you know they they did one of the Bleacher Live sh- Bleacher Report live shows there, and then they did uh, a Dynamite show from there as well. I think. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, and then, you know, they were supposed to do Blood and Guts from the Prudential Center, but they are now going to have to change the venue of that show. And who knows if they're still going to do the War Games match. You know, if any if things change, they may change the creative on it or whatever. So, And also, yeah. Double, Double Nothing's around the corner, too. It's not too far off. Yeah, Double or Nothing is in like two and a half months, almost exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just WrestleMania, too. You also have to think about TakeOver. That's been building up nicely. And a lot of shows are going to be... And all that indie stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they piggyback off yeah. of WWE. And, you know, they they are spending a lot of money with the expectation that they're going to make, you know, yeah. their 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 bank for the year. Yeah, this is their... This is all the indies that, that run that weekend's big, big, big show, big month, big weekend. And, uh, you know, shoot, I mean, it's probably no Bloodsport. I was really looking forward to that show. I know, right? When Kratos and Cobb gets announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's but you know, hey, real life, right? Yeah, everyone got to protect themselves, and mm-hmm. you know, I know Kratos just had a new baby. You know, so it's tough. You know, tough to you know, but it's hard to be selfish. And I know it sucks, but you, know, you got to think about the family at home. All right, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we'll come back with the rest of the show. We're gonna take a short break to talk about our old friends at Untuck It. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? It's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untuck It shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't take my word for it. Try Untuck It for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUEWIRE for 50% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. Okay, so uh, let's talk about this. uh, I I mean, we don't have to talk a lot about Raw and Elimination Chamber and all that stuff. I don't even know if you watched Elimination Chamber. I did, but yeah. Um, they, the, you know, Shayna comes out, uh, as good as humanly possible in that chamber as, as the badass, uh, of the show. And so her match with Becky, I actually think, you know, I'm waiting for Becky to carry this thing. I'm waiting for Becky to just like 
you know, her promo was okay. Her promo is pretty good on Raw, but I'm just waiting for her, you know, all the stuff that she gained from beating Ronda last year. I'm waiting for that superstar to come out and to carry this program. And I just absolutely don't see it. Um, and, you know, Shayna's too new to, to be the person to carry that. I'm still intrigued with this match, but I, I just, I feel like Becky is not clicking enough for this to mean as much as it should have. Starting to go a little too long. Um, starting to uh, with the Becky thing, you know. I mean, she's still selling merchandise, still popular, but it doesn't feel last. Obviously, things kind of cool down always, but you know, I think the fall and maybe the summertime this year wouldn't is at what you know. You know, we we talked about it after WrestleMania last year. Like, there need to be a follow up, right? Who's gonna follow Ronda? And you know, it's tough. They didn't really have much i mean they had sasha for a little bit and all that stuff but you know a lot of people have seen these matches already so um shana at least is new but um i also think too with this what's going on in the real world it's just kind of holding the cloud too over everything but um um i i'm looking forward to that match still i i don't think it'll be last on the show i think it'd be should be somewhere in the middle and i would hope shana goes over because i think that's what that division needs and that's what Becky needs. Becky, I think it would benefit her to chase Shayna. Um, it would benefit, you know, something new and fresh on the show. So I think that that's what I would do personally. Not just because I'm biased because, you know, I worked with Shayna before and know her. It's just, I just, I just think that's the way you go as booking. It just seems that natural. So I, yeah, I think um, my opinion has been pretty clear on the Charlotte Rhea stuff, which is when they've actually been in the ring together, I found it to be pretty flat. Even even last week, or, or I'm sorry, this this last week, uh, uh, this last Monday, you know, Rhea kind of got a little bit on her, but I, it still feels really flat to me. Like I, I don't like I, I know uh, Charlotte is trying to be the queen, and she's mm-hmm. not selling anything. Rhea just looks like the little sister trying to beat up the big sister and big sister's just like pretending that she doesn't exist. And I just don't know if that's the right way to do this because it doesn't make me more interested. It actually makes me, it actually makes me feel like uh, Rhea who was super hot when she beat Shayna is all is cooled off like tremendously. I didn't like what they did in raw. I did like what they did on NXT. I thought they actually made up for a waste on Raw with Rhea. I don't like the... I mean, I, I'm okay with her smacking Charlotte, but I'm also not okay with Charlotte smiling about it. And that was what ruined it for me when I watched on Raw. When when, she, when Rhea came out and smacked her, like, I want Charlotte to be pissed. Like, you know, she should be furious don't come into my place and disrespect them like that. And But then you also need to... This is what WWE sometimes needs to do, is get people... get a pull, Make it a pull apart. That's what they should have did. They should have had people, security run out, referees run out, and the girls both trying to get at each other, you know? Yeah, but Charlotte is not selling anything yet. Like, she's just like, why are you even here? Like, she's not, she doesn't see Rhea as a legitimate competitor. And so thus, if they did a pull apart, by the way that they're sort of acting with each other, it would seem really weird. I think Charlotte has to dig in and, and think of Rhea as someone who she really wants to beat up now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if she if she would have punched her and disrespected her, and then pissed off Charlotte, and then she comes to NXT, then she attacks her, then she injures her knee. 
um that's all fine but like her just smiling laughing about it like uh, like okay i'm like you know i'm gonna get you back it just that was flat but i like what they did on nxt i thought that was really good I mean, there was a there was way more aggression from Charlotte. She did the the figure four on the uh, uh, on the watch. Uh, she did the Bret Hart figure four. Yeah, yeah. And Which so looked, looked really good. Yeah, and, and you know, Rio Rio was selling it. So you know, yeah, it, it was it was definitely better on NXT. But there's, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if if Charlotte is. Uh, this is her. I guess she. This is how her role is written. Like, don't sell at all and you know and, and maybe and she's losing and she's not the happiest about it <laughs> may, maybe but uh, you you would think that that would come across on tv and people would be like what the hell are you doing i don't know i don't know i just think i, th- I hope i hope they put Rhea over that's the that's what you need to do because you can't have she, an ex- I mean, she's the champ it's not like charlotte's got a belt yeah yeah i know but i can see there's, you know, that last minute change or something. But I think, well, we'll see if Charlotte hits the uh, moonsault off the top rope <laughs> to the outside. Yeah, I think I think it'd be good for the NXT brand to, to have a big win like that and definitely could promote that, promote on Raw, lead into NXT. You know, it, it's, it just seems like the smart move to do. Okay, but what really sucked was AJ and The Undertaker, and then it went to Raw, and it still sucked. Like, I... This is one of the worst things that I think they've done for a big match in WrestleMania in a very long time. It's like they're going backwards. And then all of a sudden they started bringing this like reality to it with the the, the real names and the wife and you know, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm not I'm not I'm not with this program anymore. I mean, I'm I'm the match will be fun. I just don't I don't like the build. The build hasn't really been strong for it at all. So, um, you know, I like the match that Limited Chamber between Alistair and um, AJ. I thought that was really good, but I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like the the raw segment. Was just like, huh. The best part of that segment, though, honestly, was my wife was was watching it with me, and she loved AJ Styles' hair. <laughs> she was just like, he has the most beautiful hair, you know. Like he's like, but then he, then she ruined it because she said he had a woman's cut. Oh yeah, so soccer mom. I know she. <laughs> she's a hairstylist, people. So she, 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 she really uh, focuses on the. Yeah, that's the only reason she stopped to watch because <laughs> she wanted to look at the hair. She's that's, that's what she was going to do. Um. So uh, on Raw they had the uh, Edge and Randy Orton showdown. What did you think of that angle? And uh, you know, I, if WrestleMania happens, which we're unsure about, and probably a little negative on happening you know they have i guess three more weeks and i don't know they i don't know if they can continue you know how, how do they go from here edge edge finally got something on randy and mm-hmm. and he's pissed off and he's fired up he looked really old to me but um yeah so i mean he finally he finally got something and and now we'll see what happens next in in the angle but uh i wish i wish the match was tomorrow for this match for this angle's sake yeah yeah no i like i liked it i liked it a lot i like what they're doing this storyline the storyline is a lot of fun um i like that edge got something and it was cool it was the rko and it's i'm usually not one like let's just do something to really pop the crowd you know like just 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 do they'll, they'll never expect it but i thought this never expecting it was great like everyone just figured like he's gonna duck something hit the spear right or something but no he ends up hitting an RKO of himself and I really liked that about it I thought that was really cool and I like Edge's aggression his I thought MVP was kind of taken away from the all 
with his his involvement. I know why he was there. Obviously, it did not make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, it's just it was just it was just unneeded. It was just unneeded at all. Like, like I'm gonna get you. Like, like I would like I would have liked it if uh, if Edge would hit the RKO and each and try to set up the the uh, concerto on Orton or Orton then slips out of there and bails out. You know, something like that. Like, I, I, but not like I didn't. I think MVP was just a just a waste of uh, space out there for that segment. And they they that other than that. I thought the segment was was really good when it comes to edge and stuff and, and Orton. I thought Orton, you know, he just has that presence that you know just is just majorly just way majorly done a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, you know, MVP's obviously there so that Edge doesn't kill Randy Orton right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was uh, you know you knew what they were doing. It, it, I why MVP? I guess it's because Randy Orton's kind of a lone wolf and he doesn't really have friends, so they could throw MVP there. But you know the other thing is that you know they're booking three two hour, or actually one three hour and two two hour shows a week. So some of their stuff for different matches is going to be similar. But at what you know when I after I saw. A, a short brawl and then you see the end of NXT where there's this long brawl and so not you know not to say that they shouldn't have done two brawls but I, I was I, I, I was watching that going like wait what, what show did I just watch where there was like a brawl like this now the NXT segment was much longer and nuttier and and crazier than this but I, I did have that moment like wait didn't we didn't I see and then so I had to like think back where did I see that mm-hmm. at so um I mean, I think that's it for for the updates to WrestleMania. Um, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think there was anything else really. I, I thought, I mean, I thought Raw was fine. It, it, it was that it, it, they're kind of overdoing the Seth Rollins stuff in the main event. Uh, I feel like we've seen these matches like a lot now. But uh, they don't, you know, they don't have a whole lot else mm-hmm. to, to put in these segments when a lot of their guys are only part time. So you got, you know, you have to put your full full time guys in there. Yeah, yeah. I nothing really major on this show. I, you know, Drew McIntyre beat Eric Roman pretty fast and destroyed the destroyed the fake spider. I think that was the right off that crazy idea that they just had no finish for. They did. They just it got changed or who knows what happened with that damn thing. Um, there was a nice uh, Rey Mysterio Hector Garza match. I mean, not Hector Gar- Angel Garza match uh, that opened up the show, which my son I sent you a picture mm-hmm. was glued. And I don't really put wrestling on honestly run the kids yet because it's just kind of hard to explain everything right now um he's only he's gonna be two in may but he was i was like this is fine he's playing his toys he's not really you know paying attention i'll just throw it on well you know ray mysterio looks like a real life superhero right real life spider-man to him so he sat there and just he damn near watched that whole match without moving his head just he was just (laughs) and that was really cool but uh yeah but he that was that was the only thing memorable for me when I watched Raw. Really, I mean, other than that last segment, the Edge and um, Orton segment, and that was. Uh, but everything else, I thought was pretty. This is pretty flat Raw compared to the previous weeks, where I thought were, were pretty good. And something that you and I speculated about last summer, and uh, it's on our YouTube channel. The segment specifically, the Fight Game uh, Fight Game Media YouTube channel. Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's in and he's going to do some stuff in the ring. Uh, and I think that's a, I, I, I don't think it's a big, big deal, 
but we talked about the synergy with uh, SmackDown and Fox and, you know, wanting maybe uh, some, some real sports stars or whatever. And, and so he's coming in and, you know, we, we, we kind of had thought back in August before Fox went, SmackDown went to Fox, that he would be a great addition to kind of be a little bit of a, a change for that show but uh, that didn't happen then but you know it sounds like he's gonna the at least the idea was he was gonna be at wrestlemania maybe to set up something for 37 which kind of seems to be the deal these days is yeah they're, they're using this wrestlemania and stuff to set up the big one in la but mojo's on raw man we gotta do gotta have mojo and the gronk together to cause chaos maybe you want to separate those guys maybe you want to separate them i don't know but uh but yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's that stuff's fun, and uh, you got to have a little, a little croutons on the salad to have some crunch and some excitement. I just don't want him to go like full Ronda and be on every episode of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I thought that hurt Ronda's mystique a lot, but having her just, you know, I know she, I know she wanted to be the wrestler. She, want, I'm, a, you know, she wants to live the rest of her life. But I thought that a little bit of a mistake for her to be on every show. Uh, but Gronk, I hope that's it's it's scaled back. They pick and choose their spots, their moments. Um, who will he work? I try to think on the you know SmackDown side, um, like a big match. I guess you could definitely build up Cena and Gronk. You know that would be uh, uh, a celebrity, uh, a, a mainstream attention match. You know, um, I don't know who. I'm, I'm trying to think right now because I don't really watch, watch SmackDown lately. So I'm trying to think. I know like guys like <coughs> Ziggler, you could put him well, in for a match that, on TV. That's, that's the first person that I thought well, to. Well, yeah, because he's gonna make Gronk look great. You know, uh, he's gonna you do know. crazy. He's gonna crazy bump for him. Yeah, and those, that's why Ziggler is so valuable too. A lot of people, I you know, are down on him a lot, but like you know, he has a great role as the guy that you know you put out there to have a good quality match to make something look great. You know, he wins some, he loses some, but you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with those those kind of those kind of guys on your ro- on your roster. You need you need a lot more of them, honestly. Just how about we take the good part of Shawn Michaels and not the bad part of Shawn Michaels, and let's create a new a new wrestler. I feel like Dolph does a lot of the stuff that I thought was very silly from Shawn Michaels, but uh, <clears throat> like like the over like the crazy bumping on certain stuff where it kind of takes you out of the match. Like I hated when Sean did it, and I don't like it when Dolph does it. Um, okay, so. Talk about these Wednesday shows. Like I said, I I was kind of out of it on both of them, so I'm just going to kind of hit the high points, and John can fill in the, in the blanks of of what I missed. Uh, for AEW, uh, the whole storyline of the show was who was going to be Paige's partner. Obviously, Paige and Matt Jackson don't get along, so he made sure that Matt knew it wasn't going to be Matt, mm-hmm. and which made us wonder if it was going to be Nick and. Uh, the inner circle after uh, after Cody's match uh, took out uh, Nick, so couldn't be Nick. And then we later learned that it is Dustin Rhodes. And so Dustin and, and Paige beat Jericho and Sammy Guevara, which ends in another big brawl at the end, which mm. has been a, th- uh, a thing that they've done on, on their shows a lot, which is sort of this, you know, this faction versus faction. But, you know, they are setting up war games, so it sort of fit the theme. And uh, and uh, Paige, Paige beats Sammy Guevara with the buckshot lariat, and then they're setting up uh, next week, which is there's a three-on-three match, and the winner of the match gets the, uh, the, 
it, it's essentially for the coin flip to uh, to who gets the advantage in war game. So the heels have to win this match. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what the reason for the match is, but the heels have to win for war games to or blood and guts to make sense. Yeah, I, I like this. I like this. I always, I always like this to have a match to for the. Whoever has the advantage in the in the in the war games, um, you know, I've, the first time I saw someone do this was actually Smoky Mountain. Cornet did it for a cage match, um, a war games like match. It was a single single ring, and I was I think it was like Stan or Stan, maybe Jimmy Jimmy Delary or something like that versus a you know Ricky Morton or something like that in the opener. Uh, I like that. I like that. Instead of a coin flip, I used to hate the coin flip because like I mean it was cool when it first happened a couple times, but then the, then you're like, wait, the heels always win the coin flip. So I always thought that was kind of just kind of stupid. Um, Russo Russo had the idea that the baby faces need the advantage. He would he would because he's an idiot. But um, I thought AEW overall was fine. Um, this is kind of like a not as good as the previous weeks, but that's gonna happen. Um, I thought I thought maybe the Cody Ortiz match went a little bit too long. Um, the, the I know for sure one match that went way too damn long was the uh, was a Death Triangle mm-hmm. versus uh, Joey Janela and Pirate Party, and like you're trying to get over this new heel group, and the whole match they're they're just bumping around for these baby faces, these mid card lower mid card baby faces, and they go into a break, which by the way. Jim Ross keeps sending it to a break for picture in picture, but it was never picture in picture. I don't know. No, no one was telling Jim Ross they were not doing picture in picture for most of these matches. So the heat was all, you know, for the dead trackers all during the break. And when you come back from the break, now they're getting their ass kicked again. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a new, you know, heel group that you're featuring this new, this new trio. And I, I was, I was just like frustrated the hell out of that match. I'm like, it just ended. It should have been, it should have been faster. It should have been like six minutes. And and I'm once, just happy. Once private, I'm just happy. Private party is still employed. I was wondering where the heck those guys were. Nah, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I wasn't really too worried about them. But uh, um, no, it should have been like six minutes. Should have been a squash. Honestly, really, it should have been. Uh, you know, you know, they give them a little something here and there, but. And the, the heels should have been dominant here, but I, I don't think they really got over big in this match. I mean, the crowd was going crazy for the moves. Obviously, they're just going you know, big moves and big kickouts. But like, that's not what just this is. This match is designed for just matches. You got to get these guys over, and then and way to get over, they got to beat someone and beat someone convincingly. I, I didn't believe they beat these guys convincingly. Archer shows up with uh, Jake the Snake in the in the crowd. That was and a fart in the elevator. I know what like. I, I, I was trying to I was trying to remember and, and again I you know I was I, like I said I wasn't paying as close attention but did they show him outside of that one moment? That was it. He just walked out with Jake and and you know Jake is six foot what five? Yeah, yeah. probably that or maybe even taller. Yeah, maybe six six. Uh, he's a big guy, tall guy. Archer, big guy, tall guy. But next to Jake, he doesn't look that big because Jake's almost the same height. So. I thought that was uh it just didn't it just didn't just didn't of all that build up or, or excitement for Archer showing up, I'd rather have him just show up and wreck people and destroy people and put people through a table or or just cause be chaotic or something. It just it was kinda like, hey, he's there and Jake's gonna be managing him and I don't know. Just, they may so. they may be overthinking this one, but I do I wonder if they're trying to be a little bit more creative because Archer coming in and then 
Brody Lee possibly come like they're kind of mm-hmm. the same guy. So you 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 don't want to want to do that. Maybe maybe they have that idea for for Brody Lee when he finally debuts, and then they also have to debut the Exalted One, and maybe that is actually who Brody Lee is. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's not. But so they do have like three characters to debut that fans know are coming. At least you know the, at least the hardcore fans do. And so I, I wonder if they're overthinking it a little bit just so that you know that that they don't do the same thing with each guy. No, it'd be cool if they what they should have done is when the well, I know things got postponed and I don't know what they're gonna do with this cage match now. But let's say everything's going planned, right? It would be cool if. Jake kind of made another promo. This could have been this week could have been off air, but like a like a you know VTR kind of promo, and then you know like I'm you know my guy's coming, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And on the working show when Cody's about to go in, right? He all of a sudden Archer shows up, smashes him in the cage, smashes him, you know, bloodies him up, and leaves him laying. And Cody never gets in, so the Bayface have another disadvantage, you know, against mm-hmm. him, you know, being a uh, 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 four, you know. Five on four, so um, you know something so impactful, so impactful. I, I think it wasn't that impactful that when he showed up, he was just there with Jake and Jake's in his ear talking to him, and I think Jake actually died the second half of his head, so that's good. <laughs> but you know, I just I don't know. It, it that was a bummer. That was a bummer because I'm, I'm you know me, I'm a big big Archer supporter, and and I thought that was a great signing for them, and I I really want him to do well, and I think he will eventually. I, I just was hoping his his debut would have be a little more memorable. Like I mentioned, Exalted One supposedly is uh, going to show up next week, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, what else really happened? Not, not. I, I don't feel like a whole lot really happened. There was a, you know, there was a, a video um, with uh, Christopher Daniels. Sort yeah. of making fun of the Dark Order, but that was not interesting. There was the women's match, which a lot of people liked uh, online. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I thought it was just sort of the same women's match that we see every week. I don't understand why you beaten Sheeta and you're you're beating Sheeta to and you're building up Swole and Nyla. Like, <laughs> I mean, Sheeta is a lot better than Swole and I think we could have a better match with Nyla. Swole is, she has a lot of personality, a lot of fire, a lot of, you know, a lot of charisma, but God, man, what's that bell rings? She, or actually it was Brittany and, and Swole, but either yeah, way, like, yeah. but they're you know, like, I don't understand that booking. I really didn't understand. I thought, um, who was her partner in this match? Uh, who was Nyla's partner? It was, um, God. it was, uh, B Priestley. B Priestley. Yeah, so they're building her up for Nyla. And, I just, and, and like, that was confusing as hell. Like, why would you even team with her? Just a, uh, I don't know. It was That was a little bit over overbooking, in my opinion. They've never been a team, as far as I can remember. Never been unless, a team. unless they were on Dark and we didn't know, which sometimes happens. I'd much rather have, a, a, again, promo or something or a vignette, something to build up her debut. And listen, this is tough with the records because yeah. she shows up and she's two and four. <laughs> I mean, obviously, must have lost in dark or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and I'm like, and, I, and you just show me she's two and four. Now she's a threat to Nyla. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it was yeah. But it looks like Swole's getting this opportunity, and like I said, it's charisma. She has fire. I get that. Blah blah. blah. But like, can you imagine Britt Baker and Swole? My God, that's a that's tough, man. That's a, <laughs> they better keep that sucker short. 
Maybe we can get a verbal debate. I would prefer that, actually. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, NXT had a fantastic tag team title match between the Broserweights and uh, Undisputed Era. I liked that the the Broserweights outsmarted the heels and they got Roddy kicked out of the match. <clears throat> I mean, they they acted like heels to do it. They they pulled the old uh, Eddie Guerrero, but finally, like finally, we have some smart baby faces. Even though they're portrayed <laughs> as the dumb, you know, as dumb baby as as a dumb guy with, with Matt Riddle. This is sort of his character, but finally, is he like, dumb? Or is it like Columbo, smart, but accident? <laughs> He's Spicoli. I don't know. What is Old reference. Spicoli done? Old reference, my God, Columbo. Oh my. I'm 42 <laughs> you know, people. You know, um, I watched... Uh, the. When's the last time you watched The Breakfast Club? A uh, very long time, but it's a damn good one. You watched yeah. The Kids? No. Oh, I was going to say. I, I watched it with, uh, with Crystal because she hadn't seen it in a long time. And I'd listened to a podcast about it. And so I was in that like frame of reference, like early 80s, mid 80s. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I see, I see Matt Riddle as Spicoli all the time. But uh, yeah, that was a really good match. And then that was know, Fast Times. You must watch Fast Times then. No, no, no. no. I, I'm just saying I was in that mindset. Oh, like, got it. That got time it. frame. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, uh, the uh, grizzled young veterans, uh, get involved near, near the end there, near the finish. So, uh, I, I mean, this is the best wrestling match, uh, on TV this whole week. So I kind of got, got, uh, in, into it. I thought that might have been a title change. Honestly, yeah, I thought, I thought so too. That was a great freaking near fall when the grizzled young veterans came out. That was awesome. The, the only thing I didn't like is riddle had to look behind him to see that he was going to get german suplexed like i thought everything was perfect until then and then i was like yeah and it doesn't really take that much away from i it. thought nxt overall was pretty strong i really you know what i really liked i really liked it at the performance center i liked the lighting of the performance center i liked uh that, that crowd was a hotter um than the than the full sale one um it just felt like a livelier show than, than recent weeks. Yeah, because it was the crowd was so much better than the full sale crowd has yeah. been recently. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, you know, I, I, I like the opener with Keith Lee and uh, and uh, Cameron Grimes. That that was freaking nuts. So and exciting. I mean, what, what do you think of the story there that that uh, Priest comes in and and hits Lee and gets him to his knees and Dijakovic saves him and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden Priest doesn't know that it's that it was actually Priest and he thinks it's Dijakovic. So I mean, it seems like they're doing a tag or they're going to do a Three four way. way. So, so pre, so priest or Grimes, you don't think is going to be involved at all? No, I think it's a three way. It seems like it because he got beat. I mean, to me, his this performance, honestly, I, I, I thought he was awesome. I think he should be in there. I think, I think going from this point on, you got to start building this guy up again. Cause he is freaking fantastic. I say it every week. It's like, man, I didn't really give two shits about him in impact. And from what I saw and I was like, eh. but then like here, like, God, I just love that guy. Um, the, the uh, finish with priest coming out and hit him, him with the, with that pipe and, and hit Lee with the pipe and, and taking him out. And then die coming in. And I was like, you know, obviously I was like two steps ahead of what they're going to do. I'm like, okay, he's going to, Pick the belt up. Lee's gonna because Lee, I don't think saw the the, yeah. the shot from Priest. No, he didn't. And all, he's gonna look up and see Dijak with his belt and blame him and take him out because they're gonna if they're gonna do a three way like Dijak other than winning the championship, 
there needs there gonna be heat between Dijek and Priest, right? Now there's heat between Lee and Priest. Now we need to have some extra heat, not just the title with Dijek and Lee. So just adds another layer to that that match. That match is gonna be freaking nuts, right? So um, at that takeover when when it happens, I say if they don't do that Tampa, do a takeover on uh, do a takeover on USA. That'll be that'll be that'll be killer. Um. I know the commercial breaks you might not like, but you shoot, yeah, you gotta do yeah. it. You gotta do it. So Maybe be the, commercial uh, free, my friend. Maybe be commercial free. The uh, I missed both women's matches because they were not on my version. They're trying to uh, qualify for the ladder match to determine the number one contender for uh, Ripley or Charlotte, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and so, how were how were those tag? How are those women's matches? Um, I thought Dakota and uh, Dakota and Mia Yim was was pretty good. Um, Dakota was fantastic. I was surprised by the finish. I thought for sure Dakota's going over. There's like six spots in that ladder match. So I'm wondering somehow, some way that um, Dakota finds herself back into the ladder match. Um, maybe she takes out Mia Yim again or something. I don't know, but I think she'll, I think she'll, I think she'll get in there because she's been pretty fantastic. She's such a crazy, you know, she's a good bumper and, and, um, I'm so worried about this ladder match, Garrett. Like, I'm really worried. Not that it'll be bad. I'm just worried about people getting hurt. These ladies, you know, they got, I see, you know, Dakota Kai with a big knee brace on. Uh, we know Tegan Knox's issues with injury. So that just really makes me uneasy. Um, uh, Tegan Knox and Deanna Prazo was, was good. It was it was, it was good, good little match, good overmatch for Tegan. And, and uh, you know. I really like that girl, man. I'm a real big, I'm a real big Tegan fan, and she has, uh, she has a little something about her that you know, you know, easily, easily relatable, easily like a likable, and can connect to. And Deanna's pretty, Deanna's pretty solid in there, so it was, it was fine match. It wasn't too long, so it was nice. I'm out on uh, Dream and Cole right now. They, they may get me back. They, you know, they may have a good match, but man, this thing feels so flat compared to all the title programs that we've had over the last year which did not feel flat yeah well you know they had a, they had a you know this was building before until you know dream had a back injury and you know they were definitely building dream up and i think he lost a little bit of momentum with the injury it was a lot he was out for a lot longer they probably expected and he probably expected to as well um i did like dreams promo I, I this is like one of his better promos that he did and i like the stuff with roddy and how he kind of like clarified like what it's all about is all about mind games i thought that he did a really good job with that and and really and, and roddy was great his like his expression when i finally got you know dissed and you know made out of afterthought by dream was and he was so pissed i really liked that um so i'm i'm hoping that hope i mean um is it uh does it feel as important as gargano cole or other other title matches we had um no but i mean the so I'm still excited for the show because the supporting matches are are pretty top notch. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I agree. The, sh- the show's the show's gonna be good. There's no doubt about it. Um, the uh, I, I didn't see the Kushida match, the, uh, but I did see the main event, the angle. Did you see I, the the kidnapping? What kidnapping? So. Mia Yim, they had a promo exactly after she won. Now she's in the parking lot. She 
She oh, like she, she looks like she wasn't sweaty from <laughs> or still a fluster. She's done. It was a little later, but uh, um, she was, uh, you know, like talking about going to takeover, etc. And always sees like Raul Mendoza who wrestled earlier with Kushida, which was a really yeah, he, good, he lost, really good match. Raul Mendoza is like one of those guys that just is so good. He's just so good and it's fun to watch. And of course, you have Kushida in there and, and they have such great characters. So it was a fine, it was a fine, really good, solid wrestling match. But then, um, you know, camera swings over and it's Raul Mendoza like, you know, getting something out of his trunk and of his car. And as this van pulls up, actually, this van pulls up behind me and just kind of blows by. That's when the camera pans over. And you see Raul Mendoza and, and like these two luchadors, like look like the conquistadors came out and just like take Raul Mendoza away. So I'm guessing one of them must be El Fantasmo, uh, right? Ahil del Fantasmo, I'm guessing, who was like Joey Bala or something like that. I forgot what name he's using on the uh, coconut shows. Um, I don't know who the other lucha guy is, though. I don't know yet. I haven't uh, looked up anything on spoilers with that. So um, it was weird, but I'm guessing... Which is also going to be weird too if they have another lucha trio mm-hmm. with because uh, they already have you know Col- you know Kalisto and the lucha party and all that stuff so um, but uh, yeah we'll see who that is I- I'm sure one of them has to be a Hilda Fantasma I don't know who the other guy is I'm trying to think what luchadors it could be Jake Atlas but he's not I mean I would think there's be more who else they have that could be I don't know. I'm they trying have to think. so many people. They do have a lot of rosters of. of, of <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Like I just can't think of the top of my there's head. Some, right there's now. there's some uneasy that we're not even thinking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Champa Gargano. I like this, and I wanted to love it because of how much that these guys put into it. There's a lot of thought put into this. There was a lot of. Um, it wasn't like your normal brawl. Like there was some dangerous stuff. Like uh, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it looked like they were throwing around real weights to me. That that's what it looked like. Yeah, it looked, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and so that was crazy. Um, you know, and then they did the thing off the stage or off that that area oh onto the table. Like that was ridiculous. But still, the thing that I this thing that like I, I get the I get some of the conflict, but I don't get all of the conflict. And I know that's part of the story still from Gargano is. He hasn't really explained everything yet. Like last week, he was telling Morrow, "You know, Morrow, you know." And so I get, I get that there's like some mystery behind Gargano's frustration, and we as fans know that he was, you know, that they were feuding at 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 some point before he got uh, before Ciampa got hurt. But we shouldn't have to remember. But did you think he? Expl- I thought he was explained it. This show. But then Morrow started talking about like we still didn't get our answer, but like he was talking about like how you know we you know I remember how you you, you know the Champa before you know you you people just accepted him back like he's you know like I got the gist yeah, of it. He broke his friggin' neck. Mm-hmm. Of course he's gonna cut. You know of course the fans are gonna be uh, sympathetic towards him. That so the the part that I don't get from Gargano's standpoint and and. You know, I I get I get it from the I sort of know where they're going aspect, but I don't feel like the fans and maybe the hardcore NXT fans enjoy this part of the story. They enjoy kind of like knowing it more than you know before it, it comes out. But wh- like, why do wh- what if I wasn't watching NXT a year ago? You know, what if I just started watching the weekly TV when they started in um, you know late last year? 
Mm-hmm. Are are those fans supposed to be completely clued in to why he's pissed off at Champa? True, that's good. You have a new audience on USA that hasn't made, didn't, you know, doesn't have the network that just watches now. I and that's they, why it makes me wonder if they're they're sort of teasing and teasing and teasing before Gargano finally says it, you know, says what it is. Because if if not, then they're really hoping that you know this. 750,000 people who watch every week that they know what's going on. Cause I mean, I sort of remember like that, that stuff, but I wasn't watching uh, every week like I am now. It's, so I wish like I would be told. It's simple. Like explain it's very easily, obviously with footage and a promo, um, a VTR, obviously you could do, I mean, all that, they have that expo. I think they eventually will, but I, I mean, I mean, I just feel like I already know the story, man. I just know like why he's returned. And and to me, it, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, I can understand being pissed off about that. Right. Um, you know, it's like the, um, the boyfriend that treated the, the, his girlfriend bad and all of a sudden, you know, he went to some other girl, but now he's back and everyone's like, okay with it. Right. So, you know? so, but can I tell you the other thing that is a little weird about this is if you are a WWE fan and you watch Ron SmackDown, you should not have any understanding why champ, why, why Gargano's upset because on Raw and SmackDown, these guys turn back and forth without any reason constantly. And so if you look at it that way, I'm watching NXT and I'm going like, do I really care? You know, I, I care personally because I, I want to see where they're going. But, you know, I, I don't know how much of this NXT audience is a diehard Raw and SmackDown audience. But, you know, I, I, I guess I guess that's why NXT, you know, is usually from a critical perspective better. But still, I'm just like, I think that's why I think if I if I felt Gargano's angst and I felt the reason and I bought the reason I would have loved the brawl. Because I thought they did so many cool things, but because I don't understand it, I was like, "Why are they? Why is he? Why do they want to kill each other?" And that's what I was waiting to sort of be told. Yeah, yeah. I, let's hope they clarify it next week. Let's hope for everyone's sake, I guess. And um, well, but I like the brawl. crazy stuff, though. Oh, I loved it. I, I, you know, it, it was like it felt like Anna Kenobi one from episode three that kept kept going, but. Um, but I liked, I liked that it kept going though. Cause I kept, I kept feeling it was going to stop. And then they did a really good job with this. They, they, they made it feel like it was going to stop and they made it feel like, okay, this is it. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, well, oh, here we go. They get crazier and then crazier. Then it gets really crazy. Right. Um, my favorite moments, I kind of joked to this on Facebook with, uh, with Daryl Sharma, the referee, uh, for NXT and, and, and Drake Wirtz were out there, you know, they're trying to, you know, store some order you know as much as they can but my favorite part when they came back into the arena is when daryl uh says there's people out there <laughs> there's people out there but like it, it makes sense like you have to warn these guys like hey it's not just about you guys you're, you're putting people in in harm's way with this brawling this this craziness um i really like that and i joked on uh on daryl's page that uh you know he's my favorite wrestler sorry tom you know <laughs> and uh i just really like i just really like the i really like that that spot and i like the, the 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 craziness of the um the finish man that that i thought that was insane and i was like you know my daughter chloe was up at that time and i'm just gonna finish this because i don't want to stop it because i have a long night i still gotta watch AEW, so i'm just gonna watch this and and she wasn't she was playing with dolls and 
getting ready for bed and not really paying attention. But I said, oh, my gosh. That's what I said. And that, like, turned her attention to the TV. And she's like, she's like, is that wrestling, Daddy? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's hard to explain to, you know, four-year-old about wrestling. And I was just, like, joking around saying, where's Tom at? Where's Tom? Where's Tom? And, you know, she's like, where's Tom? Where's Tom? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, ah, he didn't come out. I don't know why. He must have been busy doing something else. And so she's like, I want to see Tom. So I had to rewind it to the Mia Yim and Dakota Kai match. And and uh, she, we had a cute little exchange. And she was like, uh, she said that, um, and she's like, that's cool. That's cool. And uh, and she goes, Daddy, is Tom a wrestler? I'm like, no, he's a referee. He, you know, he keeps law and order inside that ring. <laughs> and, you know, he enforces the rules. I was trying to explain to her about a referee as much as I can you know, to, for her to understand. And then she goes, uncle Jeff's a wrestler. This is Jeff Cobb, everyone. Right. Absolutely. She's, she's figuring it out. She's like, uncle Jeff's job, Jeff's a wrestler and an action figure. <laughs> and I go, yes, he is. And she goes, daddy, you have a lot of friends who are wrestlers. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And she did tell me she's going to be a wrestler when she gets older. So, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so, She's gonna have she's gonna have to face some of the McMahon women if she really wants to be the champion. Though. Oh, and then I as I was as fast as rewinding the show, I was going like speeding through it, and she saw Rhea Ripley, and she said, um, "She said it was so cute." She goes, "Why has that girl got a boy's haircut?" <laughs> I was like, "You know, it's her, it's her style. You know, she has like a you know style. She's kind of you know, she's kind of edgy, and she's kind of like you know, she's kind of like a rebel." And she's like, "Yeah, she's cool." <laughs> it was it was just cute man it was fun it, it, it's like i like i i'm getting excited about the you know eventually watching this stuff with my kids you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna you're gonna have some time with uh, the lack of sports on tv if you want to watch more with them anytime soon yeah i'm gonna take them through the you know first of all we're gonna start with uh the you know the, the wrestlemania one in the beginning of the you know, rock and wrestling and i'm gonna educate them I thought you were gonna say like Farmer Burns and stuff. Oh no! Well, that's a that's a whole other course. Okay, so let's uh, let, let let's move on, and uh, we're actually going to begin our We Want Flair segment. And the first segment is uh, me talking to Big Dave. So, just to set this up, uh, I was like, "Hey, can we talk about Lex Luger's early career? I don't know a ton about it." And so um, he was like, "Yeah, let's talk about it." So we did. You know, we did. 18 minutes or, or whatever so you'll hear that and then john and i will come back and we'll talk about anything john wants to talk about about that time period that that dave was talking about and then we'll sort of get go from where dave and i stopped and we'll go all the way through right until december of 1988 john and i are uh doing a segment on Ric Flair's matches and, and stories. And, and so we're going to do one on, uh, the next one that we're doing is Lex Luger's match at Starcade 88. And so, Oh, that's the one. Is that the Nor- Norfolk? Uh, cause they did one at great American bash Norfolk at that the scope, summer at the scope. And then they that's, did that's the, the Starcade one. That's the one. That's the real intriguing one. Yeah. Yeah. The one in Norfolk because of, um, cause it was supposed to be Ric Flair and Rick Steiner right. and, and Dusty was trying to get Ric Flair to gone. And then, Jim Hurd was in the panic and called up Larry Matisik. I remember that day like like it was yesterday, you know, me and Larry and Jim Hurd back and forth all day trying to, you know, with Larry basically telling Jim Hurd how to handle the situation. And, you know, because the whole thing was, the key is that 
if Flair was unhappy and left, which he could have done, then the Turner deal may have fallen through, may very likely have fallen through, and then it would have been the end of the company. Yeah. So it was like a lot was riding on this, um, on making Ric Flair happy. And the thing is, <clears throat> Rick was not aware of any of this, you know, because Rick afterwards, I mean, he's going, if I had known this, you know, he could have played for a harder deal. Right. But he, he didn't realize how important he was to Turner making that deal to buy the company. So they had to have Rick in tow. And Dusty was just trying to get rid of Rick because I don't think Dusty wanted someone else to buy the company because as long as Crockett had it, I think that Crockett would have never gotten rid of Dusty as Booker. Right. And you put in a new owner and all these all the talent at this point was, you know, on you know, mad at Dusty. Dusty knew his days were kind of numbered and they were gonna go in another direction. So it was a really intriguing period. So so that yeah, that that whole time period is fascinating. Absolutely. Changed the whole business. So rewinding a little bit, because we're going to we're talking about Lex and I don't have I mean, I, I've read up stuff. I, I know I've, re- I've read up matches and, and Lex's book, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but the beginning of his career is a bit of a blind spot for me. I know that he in was Florida? wrestling in Florida. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got pushed from day one. CWF. I think, I think that they gave him the Southern title like like he was only probably wrestling for. I don't remember how long, but maybe only a couple of weeks and they gave him the Southern title right away. Yeah, he beat Wahoo. He beat Wahoo, right, yeah. So as a prospect or, you know, today we we see tons of, of guys coming through NXT or whatever and you kind of go, oh, you know, in a couple of years, that guy is going to be really good. Was Lex thought of in that way back then? I mean, Lex from day one, <clears throat> they thought he was going to be the next Hulk Hogan. And bigger than Hulk Hogan, because the whole idea was, is, is the idea is, is Hogan's bald, Lex isn't bald, Lex has a better body than Hogan, he's almost the same height as Hogan, um, he's better athlete than Hogan, just wasn't as charismatic as Hogan. But, right. but when he came in, it was like Hulk Hogan was the star, and this is going to be the next star. So yes, he was thought of, you know, and especially by, um, you know, Bill Apter, which is funny because... Lex wasn't always the nicest guy to Bill Apter at all. And Bill Apter was the one who really made, I mean, I think Lex would have made it anyway, but Bill Apter was the one who really made Lex's career at the beginning because he put him on the cover of every magazine because they thought he would sell magazines because of how he looked. And they created this Lex Luger aura that no one in Florida had seen, outside of Florida had seen Lex Luger. So it's just some guy in pictures. And, you know, he got signed after one year to a $500,000 a year contract, which was incredible money in those days. Nobody got that except for like Ric Flair and Hogan and maybe Macho Man mm-hmm. in the whole business. So it was like the whole thing is nobody nobody ever made more money based on potential than Lex Luger. I mean, they brought him in. And I mean, the whole thing was he was going to be in the Horseman. The whole deal, he was going to be in the Horseman. He was going to learn from Flair by being there. Then they were going to do the angle where him and Flair split up. And then he was going to win the title and he was going to be Hulk Hogan. He's going to be Hulk Hogan and the new Hulk Hogan and the better Hulk Hogan. And they were going to win the wrestling war. That's how Lex Luger was supposed to be at the beginning. You mentioned the Hogan comparison, which is, I think, the natural one. Uh, And but it's what's also funny. Vince Vince wanted him to be the next Hulk Hogan, too. What's funny, though, is in I want to say these observers are in the late 87 ish time frame. You said you wrote that the next Hulk Hogan would look nothing like the current Hulk Hogan. Of course. Obviously. Well, I, a lot of, I read a lot of that old stuff, and it, it's, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, because copies never are good as good as the original, and you're going to want something different, whether it's... Though the Hogan sort of 
re re envisioning or remixing the next Superstar Hope? Billy Graham. But Superstar Billy Graham was years earlier. There was a big break between Superstar Billy Graham and Hulk Hogan. Right. Um, I mean, the next Hulk Hogan was Steve Austin, who, I mean, he was, you know, he was very, very different from Hulk Hogan. Very different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the next Hulk Hogan was almost Hulk Hogan in, 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 uh, in the NWO. Yeah. Um, okay, so as a, as a, as a worker, um, reading back through a lot of those observers, it seems like the athleticism was there, the cardio wasn't there, he was really muscular, which blew him up a lot, but he was put with some really good workers, he so he had good matches. Sometimes. Um, when he was in Florida, I was not impressed, but it was so early in his career, he was just being pushed way too fast. But he didn't, he had pretty much nothing matches in Florida. Um, Rick struggled to get like a three-star match out of him, and that's Ric Flair in his prime. So the match that Luger mentions in the book, he says that he went Broadway, but I looked it up, and it, I believe the match he's talking about with Flair is the Battle of the Belts 3. Right, which was like, I think it was about 30 minutes. 30, right? 31 minute time time limit match. Well, it was, it was um, what, didn't they do like, um, it was a three-fall match, but they did like- One piece. They did time limits on the falls, like maybe, was it like 20 minutes each fall? So- yeah, I don't, that that part I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but it was like it was a it was a draw, but they, it was nowhere close to sixty minutes because they knew he couldn't go sixty. So when yeah, it was like about thirty minutes. I remember watching the match, and that's the one I was actually thinking of. That Flair, I mean, it was it was a passable kind of almost kind of good almost good match, like you know three star two and three quarters three and a quarter um, type match. I think, I mean, but way like like. You know, Ric Flair would have better matches than, with almost almost anyone than he had with Luger on that night. So when he comes into uh, to to Crockett, he replaces Ole. Yeah, in the, the Horseman. Horseman. Yeah, and you go all the way to Starcade, and he loses to Dusty in the cage in a finish that was sort of reminiscent of how he won the title against Nikita. JJ throws the chair over the cage. He knocks out Nikita, puts him in the torture rack. In this match. JJ throws the chair in and Dusty DDTs Lex onto the chair. I think that's how that, I haven't seen that match in a long time. Yeah. But, um, so at that point you had written that the, uh, the turn, cause he turns by not allowing JJ Dillon to win the bunkhouse battle Royal. Mm -hmm. Um, all the four, the horsemen are left except for flair. It's the four of them. JJ's telling the referee, all four of us can just win and we'll share the prize. And he's like, no. And then JJ thinks like, maybe I can win this match. Arn and Tully jump over the top rope. Lex doesn't. Lex clotheslines. I think he clotheslines him out. And then he gets jumped. And then, so he wins the match. And then he, but he gets jumped out of the horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how that angle worked. But as he is turned babyface, you're basically writing that at the time that the writing is on the wall for Crockett. They just got blown out of the water because Starcade sucked, and it didn't get, the distribution was awful because Vince get, pulled the power, power play. Vince pulled the power play, so they there was all this money that they were expecting to make, millions of dollars on that show. Like $3 million, they probably would have made more if Vince didn't do that. Yeah, it probably cost them $3 million, which at the time, the way the business was, I mean, that was make or break. You know, because um, they had spent a lot of money, and they needed that $3 million, they didn't get it. I mean, that was... That power play by Vince, I mean, I, the irony to me always was that power play by Vince 
led to Crockett having to sell, and he sells to Turner. So Vince ends up, and it didn't really turn out that way, but at the time, it's like Vince went and put somebody out of business and ended up with a enemy 10 times bigger. It was like, it was like in hindsight, at the moment when they sold, it was kind of like, that was the stupidest thing Vince ever did because he could always, he, he just by based on the size of his markets and Crockett's home market, you know, Charlotte versus New York, Vince would always have the edge, no matter how much better Crockett's wrestling was and booking or whatever. And I his booking wasn't better. I mean, at that point anymore, his wrestling was still better, but, and then he bought himself where he, he, he won a war and got a new enemy who should have beat Vince, but you know, they were incompetent too. Do you think that, um, they pull the trigger? Like, like, I guess my question is, was this Lex turn the idea from day one, or do you think they fast forwarded the turn because the product seemed really cold after how bad Starcade was? I didn't get the impression that, that that made a difference. I figured it was going to be about a year. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's possible that they did it because um, they needed something that year. And Flair and Lex, they knew would do business. Because Lex's turn, you know, that did reverberate. You know, it, it, it really built the company. Because Lex and Arn would do some singles matches where Lex would win to set up the Flair match. And Lex and Arn were doing big business. They were doing a lot of good great gates. And then Flair and Lex was... a. Uh, you know, it was a real strong program at the, at the gate. You know, a lot of people rip on the um, finish at the Great American Bash with mm-hmm. that blood. And the execution of it was terrible because it was barely bleeding. But coming off of that, they did great business for the rematches. So it was, you know, a lot of people, oh, they should have just put them over. And it's like, eh, Lex Chasing did business. Yeah. Then it's, then, you know, it was going to run its course. Like everything in, in wrestling runs its course. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the way it turned out was... I mean, it was the only way it could turn out because of the way the politics and the sale and everything were going. Whether it would have been the right thing had Crockett, you know, not been selling, maybe Lex win the title. Probably at that point, if he wasn't selling, um, it'd certainly be worth the experiment because Flair could always get it back if it didn't work. Right. You know, um, Lex was pretty hot. So I haven't. I'm still doing my research and I'm around the spring going into the summer. So I'm getting close to that great American bash match, but Lex turns, he's tag teaming with Barry Windham. And then Barry they, turns on him. They eventually win the tag titles, then Barry turns on him. But in that time frame, like Lex and Rick aren't really in the mix. They, 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 I think they're doing six mans and, and Rick's probably involved, but it's mostly against Tully and Arn. Right. And so it's like Barry and, and Lex and Tully and Arn. And so it seems like they're saving, you know, to get ready for that program. They and, tried to, they tried to, you know, keep them apart because they knew that the money program was Flair and Lex. But in the meantime... They decide to run head up against WrestleMania four, right? With Clash of the Champions, Lex isn't in that match. Lex is actually the, in the tag team stuff still at that point, and instead, Sting is in that match. Well, they didn't want to put Lex on TV because they wanted the first match with Flair and Lex to be on the pay per view, and pay per view was where the money is. And the TV was just a showcase show. It wasn't one of those things where, even though the ratings were phenomenal, I mean, they'd never had a show like that. But it wasn't, you know, you didn't make money off of television, so. You know, it was like, I mean, Sting was just a guy, although he had great potential and we all knew that Sting was going to be a big star already. You know, the fact is, is that Sting was, Sting was in that spot by default. It wasn't like Sting had been built up for that spot. He was barely in main events at that time. Well, he actually replaces Michael Michael P.S. Hayes 
in the main events because something happened with PS. There was a contract dispute or because he then soon thereafter, he's booking world class, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So Sting, Sting is like wrestling flair heading into the clash uh, around, uh, around in a few shows, cities. in a few shows. And it wasn't drawing big or anything. And so then they have this, they have this Starcade match. And by that point, no, not Starcade, that, the, I'm the, sorry, I'm sorry. The, uh, the clash, clash, the clash at, by that point, you would, you were, were writing even before that match, like a couple weeks before that match, you were already writing that you thought Sting had surpassed Lex as as the new upcoming babyface for Flair. He was getting better reactions by that point. This is, um, yeah, 88. Um, he had more charisma than Lex, but he didn't draw bigger than Lex against Flair. I mean, Flair and Luger, for whatever reason, always drew better than Flair and Sting. But Sting got much bigger crowd pops than Luger because he connected with the crowd, which Luger was too cold to connect. He connected with the crowd good, but he was still very aloof and the people could see through it and Sting mm-hmm. seemed like a cooler guy. So I always thought that like in the long run, Sting was going to be the bigger star. I was pretty sure Sting was going to be the bigger star of the two. I mean, I remember, um, it was so funny because um, the first person who I think really hit on Sting was Eddie Gilbert um, in, mid- in Mid-South. And Eddie Gilbert, like, was was telling me, like, when I'm going to turn Sting, and it's going to be the hottest baby face, because they were a tag team. Um, they were a heel tag team. And he turned Sting. And then I, I remember going to Houston, and Eddie Gilbert's just like, you got to see Sting. you got to see his reaction. He comes out. I'm in a show in Houston. Um, good reaction. Not not through the roof good, but good. And this is right. So Eddie's telling me this before the sale. At this point, they've just sold. Mm-hmm. So they're doing a tournament for... Um, I don't know if it was, I forget the championship. It might have been the Western States Heritage or something, but they created some title. Um, but I, what I do remember is that Sting got beat by Black Bart. And this is like, now Dusty's in charge. And, and it's just like, and Eddie's already kind of telling me that like, this, this is, you know, he's already getting frustrated because basically all of the UWF guys were being used to put over the, yeah. the Crockett guys. You know, it was, it was, they were squandering it. But then Sting is like his big thing. You know, the, the guy who, you know, and, and Sting was, of all those Mid-South guys, Sting was really the only one who survived at any kind of a level. And, um, you know, because you know, Chris Adams and Terry Taylor and all those guys didn't do anything there. Um, Eddie didn't really get to do much. But they Sting snuck up. Sting was, like, kind of kept. He signed, like, a $52,000-a-year contract. And, um, you know, he was just there. And we just kind of kept in prelims. Like it was an opening match on on the was it an opening match on the flare on one of the on the one of the pay per views. I remember Starcade '87. I think he was yeah. in like a six man or something. In a six man, right? With so Rick he Steiner. Was, yeah, so he wasn't really doing much, and it was just kind of like they put him in some house shows with Flair, and you know, it was like I said, it wasn't that big. And then the thing opened up where they needed a guy to go with Flair on the Clash, and then. The Clash did a phenomenal, phenomenal rating. And in one night, you know, from there, after that, like Sting was a superstar in one night because after the Flair match. Because Flair, you know, it was 45-minute draw on television. People had never seen a match that good. You know, it wasn't like the best Flair match, but it was pretty damn great. You know, and I think it won match of the year. And, um, you know, but for TV, in those days, you never saw matches like that on TV. And then they let it run all the way through because they did all the commercials earlier in the show. Right. They went 45 minutes straight. Uh, made that stupid judging thing, <laughs> which was just stupid. But, you know, um, but I mean, it was at the end, Flair not beating him made Sting a star and Sting getting all the near falls. And it was, a, you know, 
it's probably not even probably it is certainly the um the 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 one you know like the first you know the last time that and the first whatever that in one night a guy went from being somewhat unknown kind of high prelim guy to where he was you know the hottest baby face in that company and in by the end of that match okay one more card i just want to get your feedback on so they do that show and very quickly thereafter i think it's like maybe a couple weeks is the crockett cup yeah and so dusty and nikita were supposed to be a team again then the midnight rider stuff is about to happen nikita actually gets the shot at rick i was at that show in in um Greensboro with Rick and Nikita, which was not a good match. Right. Well, I mean, it was it was okay. I mean, by Rick Flair standards, it was not a good match. But instead of going back to Sting, they go with Nikita, which I think you had read, wrote, written something like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's just Dusty's kind of uh, giving him a a nice match, I guess, because Dusty's out of that tag team match. He's like doing his friend a favor or something like that." You had yeah. written as the reason why. But then in the tag tournament. Sting and Luger, who were not paired up in that tag tournament, they both had lost their partners, and then they get together, and then they win the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you even remember anything about that? I remember being there. I remember it was kind of good, but um, I remember the crowd wasn't that good. Um, Greenville was not sold out the first night, but but not bad. I mean, it was close to it was close to full. It was a decent crowd, and then Greensboro was. Now I'm thinking like in the six thousand range. I remember it not being good crowd. Um, but the, the show was a good show. You know, it was definitely a fun show live. All right, Dave, thanks for helping us set the table. Okay, cool. Okay, uh, back here with John. Anything you wanted to follow up on in the interview that uh, I did with Dave? Um, I thought, you know, that was really good, um, informative. Um, a lot of stuff I kind of already knew. Um, I still think... And you're talking about how like, Dave was right about Sting and how like Dave felt that Sting was the, the the guy. I also thought Luger was the guy with Sting, but maybe Sting and Luger were eventually a great rivalry for the NWA for the future. So I thought, you know, in in their own way, I mean, maybe Luger might not be the top babyface of the promotion, but I think he could have been a successful heel to, you know, Sting's Lex, Sting's Lex Luthor to, uh, to Sting being Superman. You know, I thought they, I thought they could have been a, a great, uh, rivalry, which I always wanted to happen. And I always felt like it was going to happen. And when it did happen, Luger was gone and trying to be a bodybuilder after that. I think, don't, don't you think though that, and, and we'll sort of explain who Lex was, Lex, to me, in reading his book, in in going through these 88 Observers, he was a businessman. Mm -hmm. He did not grow up wanting to be a wrestler, obviously. He wanted to make as much money as possible. He understood in professional football how, you know, that, that was where he wanted to make his money. And he found out that the injuries and stuff hurt his athleticism and he was never going to make it in football and he could use that athleticism with his body in pro wrestling. But even from day one, like, you know, Dave mentioned in that thing, you know, how he was already making a lot more money than guys who had been there for a while. So, you know, from that point of view, like imagine the locker room and how, you know, not saying he wasn't one of the boys, but imagine how the jealousy could have picked up. And if Lex is not like, 
oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm here forever. Like, you know, I, I want to be the best wrestler in the world. Like, maybe if that in you know if that gets uh, a rise out of some guys and and maybe gives them a little bit of a bad rep. But I mean, the the fact is is that. He was truly about the business, and that's kind of what it's all about uh, at the end of the day is being a smart businessman, and he was a smart businessman. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he was a hot young prospect. Look at him, man. He was like the perfect specimen for a wrestler, right? And, you know, didn't look like a lot of other guys. You know, he was chiseled and had like, you know, like Jim Ross always say 7% body fat, you used to always Mm -hmm. say, which is probably true. Um 6'5", 265, or 275. I used to love that when Jim Ross would make that call about Lex Luger. Um, but he was, you know, I always think, like, people's memories of Luger gets tainted by, especially the Nitro era days when guys were just making millions and not giving a shit, you know, and just, just collecting those checks, not working hard. But, like, I tell them, I, I I want people to sit there and take a deep dive into Lex Luger nineteen eighty nine, and tell me different. You know, tell me you still see this guy who's he's, who doesn't really care and is lazy. Like I, I don't see that in Luger nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety or eighty eight. He's good in eighty eight. Yeah, he's he's good for his experience level. Don't forget, this is two years in. You know, you know, he debuted in eighty six, and you know, this is not going to be part of our story. But I think what hurts Lex with wrestling fans. Um, Obviously him leaving WCW for WWF, but also the way that he was sort of, whether you want to say failed or not, they they wanted him to be the next Hogan. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't win the belt from Yokozuna and looks like a goober. And then it's it quickly moves on and it's Bret Hart's time. And then, you know, also there is a post um, attitude era career with Lex where Miss Elizabeth dies mm-hmm. right in front of him, right? So that's that's gonna be something that uh, you know, that people are gonna have an opinion about too, and, and that may hurt their perspective of who he really was earlier in his career. You, you can't really get away from stuff like that, no matter what, anyways. And, and it's always going to color the perspective of, that people have about you. But yeah, you know, you look at 88 and 89 and 90, Luger, Luger is great. He's, he's well on his way. And that, I think that's why people still continue to believe that he could be that guy is because he was good in those years. And I also think, too, people that work with him early on and throughout the years like you know i know he's talked about you know being a kind of introverted and and, and kind of like standoffish and some people took that as arrogance and cockiness but like a lot of people have talked about him being kind of a, a jerk and i want i wouldn't doubt it right i wouldn't doubt it he was kind of an asshole and i think that also skews people um's opinion on him but when, when it came to his work like I've even like I think I recently listened to like a Jim Ross. Uh, I think he was doing Wrestle War ninety. He was he's uh, on his podcast, and he wasn't really that. He was pretty much just putting over Flair as you know, carrying Luger and you know this and that. And I'm like, Luger hung with Flair. You know, Luger did a great job with Flair. Flair has always been very complimentary of Luger working with Luger. I'll, oh, I will explain to you. <laughs> Flair has a quote that I'm going to recite from his book that explains exactly what he thought about Lex and how he could get stuff out of Lex. So, you know, I don't. I, I think 
you know, flares. Any anybody who's facing flare, you're always going to say that about them, right? Any of these bigger guys who weren't classic Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Terry Funk kind of workers, they're always going. It's always going to be that that Flair carried them, and and really because the match was. Flair's style of match, I, I could see why people say that, and they're probably right. Now, you know, does is Jr. being biased because you know he loves Rick and maybe doesn't love Lex? Maybe, possibly, but um, but yeah. So actually, let's get into it because you know, little little bit of a, a lead up, but I want to get into this because we got a lot of stuff to get into. So, Flair in his book describe here's here's how he described Lex as a businessman. He says uh, in his book, he writes, we called him a locker room lawyer. If we drew a $200,000 house, he would calculate the percentage due the boys. He'd point out things that were missing in the industry, asking questions like, why don't we have health insurance? Lex brought an awareness to the average wrestler that hadn't existed before. So businessman, just like we said, he came from a world in football where he was making, you know, he was looking to make a lot of money, came from a very you know, a very good upbringing. So his parents actually had money and he's growing up with money. So he very much understands that part of, uh, uh, of, of wrestling. So where, where Dave and I left was, you know, Sting and Lex, uh, when the Crockett cup and then, uh, Barry, uh, had just turned on Lex as well. And so, um, Barry wins the U S title tournament that was left vacant by dusty when dusty leaves and then comes back as the midnight rider for like two weeks or whatever that was in, in 88. Uh, he doesn't have the title. So Barry, Barry wins the, uh, the U S title tournament beating Nikita in the final. And so I was like thinking like, wow, you know, Lex is, you know, where was Lex? Where was sting? Oh, Lex and uh, Al Perez go to double count out. Yeah, well, they're saving Lex for Flair, right? the 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 goal is for Flair and Luger at the Great America Bash '88. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he did not need to win the U.S. title at this point, um, so that's that's fine there. But uh, yeah, I can see, yeah, Dusty getting out of losing town, <laughs> Barry Windham, <laughs> of course, right? So, so we are around late May, and there are already rumors of Turner buying Crockett. So put that in 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 your memory because we will revisit that uh, very soon. So at, at this point, if you want to think of the wrestling pay-per-view industry, we had just got over the time in 87 where Vince puts the Survivor Series head up against Starcade and basically tells the cable companies that if they don't if they call, if they actually carry the Starcade show, he's not going to let them have WrestleMania four. So he does WrestleMania four, and he tries to do a deal with the uh, the cable providers that no other wrestling group. And at this point, it's only Crockett doing pay per views. AWA will come in late in '88 and try to do a show um, that. No one can oppose him within 60 days before or 21 days after a big show of his. He doesn't want that competition for for uh, for pay-per-view buys. So uh, originally, because WrestleMania was in March and uh, Star- uh, and Great American Bash was... Uh, no, it's actually I forget. There was there was going to be a crossover with the WWE show. I think it was maybe SummerSlam and Great American Bash, which was in July. Uh, they 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 thought that maybe they weren't going to be able to do the show, but 
they basically called Vince's bluff. The cable companies were like, we're not putting, you know, you're, you're actually not allowing us to make as much money as humanly possible for, for these shows. So we, we are not going to go by these rules. And the Great American Bash is booked for July 10th. And so at this point, like you think of the direct TV and cable industry now, I don't know what the clearance is for a show, but let's say it's 90 million or 100 million, could, you know, 100 million homes are hooked up to actually watch the show. Back then, we're talking 1988, late spring, early summer of 88, 10 million homes for, uh, for WrestleMania 4. So the bash... Their goal is to clear as many places as possible so that people can watch this show. And they get up to 10, uh, 10 million to match WrestleMania. The actuality, and I'll talk about it in a second, is that they don't actually get to 10 because of a couple of different things. But that, but you can just sort of, the difference between when you and I were trying to buy, you know, trying to beg our parents to, to, to buy this $20 wrestling show compared to now, like how easy it is. And it was not easy back then to actually rent or buy a a pay-per-view show. And so uh, another flair quote, and this is where he talks about Lex's ability. He says in his book, he writes, when Luger turned good and challenged me for the championship, I had to teach him how to perform and draw money. I made all his power moves look really convincing. As green as he was, I never felt like I was putting my body on the line. If he lifted me over his head and press slammed me, he was always careful. Naturally, a few of the boys didn't think that a guy so inexperienced merited this kind of treatment from the world champ. Hey, Luger looks like a million bucks and he's a nice guy, I told them. I have nothing against him. He just has to learn how to work. So to your point, Flair very, you know, no seemed like he really liked Lex and liked wrestling him, knew he was he was uh green, but in order to make money with him, he felt that, you know, he was someone he had to kind of mentor and and teach how to wrestle. Yeah, same as Sting though. Sting at Clash One. I mean Flair's telling him how. You know, tell him to bang his chest, tell him to get heat, tell him to get the interaction with the crowd. Like, I mean, that's what Flair did, it's, and that's his role. I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, these ki- these guys, these kids, these, uh, you know, Luger, like I said, two years in 88, staying, I think, same time, two years in 88. So they're both very young and green guys. So working with Flair and having him just guide him through. And I thought they did a great, I thought they both did a great job, you know, especially the experience level. And, um, you know, that's just a master at work. That's what veterans should do, especially, especially a world champion should do. He's gone to, for since 1981, gone to territory to territory as a world champion and making guys worse than Luger and Sting look good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he went like a Broadway with Rufus R. Jones in Central States. He went Broadway with a, 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 a zonked out Kerry Von Eric that's never made video, but God, that'd be the greatest hidden gem ever. Um, I would love to see that match. Um, it's so bad that they didn't even air it on the world class. <laughs> so, like, you know, he's the man. And that's why I believe he is the greatest of all time. And, you know, to do stuff like that. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think, oh, Luger was, you know, I don't think he, like, didn't hold his own. I thought he held his own really well in those matches. So, the other thing about this is um, the book itself like I was reading this book thinking that Flair was going to have some insight on his 88 
matches with Lex and even maybe his 90 matches with Lex. And he didn't really. He just kind of talked about Lex a little bit. He he focused more on Sting. That became more of a of a, of a true sort of rivalry for him. But not a lot about this these matches other than the two things that I pulled out. So um, Lex, Lex's book is even worse when it comes to these matches. He like literally skips over them and, mm-hmm. and goes right to WWF days. So um, at Clash 2... In his white tuxedo, Lex gets jumped by the four horsemen in Miami. And uh, kind of an, you know, the, the Clash 1 was was uh, all about the match, you know, that, that long match. And Clash 2, they're setting up uh, Great American Bash with uh, the horsemen beatdown. Yeah, yeah. They had a contract signing earlier on the boat, remember? Oh, yeah. Early in the show. And then... Um uh, later on, Luger shows up and gets beat up by the Horsemen. Classic Horsemen in the parking lot, beat down of the Bayface and bloody him up and slam his head on the uh, on the trunk of the limousine. So I thought all that stuff was was really good. What did you actually think of the match at at the Bash? Um, it wasn't their best match. I thought it was better than I remembered it being. Uh, they have some moments. There's like you know Luger and Flair both went over the top rope. Um, at the same time, oh, yeah. <laughs> they got kind of <laughs> stuck, and they eventually made it over. But I always thought like you should always bail out and just fall back yeah. in the ring and just get you know just. But it always looks bad when you have to like try to push through. And I think Luger was pushing through. Uh, they were also so tired by then. Yeah, there and there was a and there was a moment too with like you know Flair out of the corner with the atom- inverted atomic drop and. Luger was supposed to block it and clothesline him, but then he kind of like bumps back, like he and and falls on his butt. But then like he just gets up super fast and still clotheslines the heck out of Flair, and fans still go crazy. Um, I haven't seen this match in a very very long time. Um, when it came to the blood, I remember like my memory being like a small trickle of blood, mm-hmm. but there was a lot more blood than I remember, and so I definitely. <laughs> bought to finish more excuse me bought to finish more than um than what i remember you know people complaining about it that <laughs> it wasn't too bad oh great wonderful <laughs> i was talking about earlier on. the um the thing i i, I you know I, as i was watching this match i had rick's quote sort of in the back of my mind and the entire match is him trying to make lex luger look like you know, Superman, right? Mm, like, of course. Lex is no selling stuff. He's coming back with power stuff. Flair's like taking a bump and looking like he's dying. And so, you know, from that perspective, if you thought Lex, you know, was going to be the next big thing, like, I, I get it because Rick was trying really hard to make it seem like Lex was going to be the next guy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's his that's his role. That was his role. That's I mean, that's Flair. Mostly his matches was bumping around for whoever he worked, and that somehow, some way, at the end, he he snuck away the championship. You know, the, and the one thing about you know, if you think about Flair's WWF matches, he would wrestle a little bit more like a heel and more of like a a, a chicken shit heel in WWF, but here. He didn't do a lot of that stuff, and I thought it made Lex look even bigger and badder because Flair looked like he was really trying, and then he was, you know, Lex was was still 
uh, getting, you know, beating him up. And so just a little bit of a different style because, you know, in three years later, he'd be in, in, in WWF. And I liked his WWF style too, but I could definitely see like a, a little bit of a difference from 88 NWA Rick to, you know, 91, 92 uh, WWF Rick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rick wrestled, you know, like, even though he's this top heel and heel champion, like, he still wrestled a lot. And he would cheat at times, but his cheating wasn't like, like, later on, he would do the low blow like a million times or something like that, right? His cheating was, uh, J.J. Dillon would distract and he'd run a guy in a post or he would, uh, you know, you, he would use a chair on a guy's leg or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, nothing, I mean, that's all devastating stuff, but like nothing to where it was like, He'd always go to low blow. I remember towards the end, like he's always going to low blow. He'd always just rely on, you know, doing his backdrop, his flop, his chops. He did a lot more of the moves and different moves and stuff to more had more variety, I guess, when he was younger. But he's also younger in his prime in his athletic prime. So, you know, you know, he had a you know, as he got older and I know he did wrestle for a very long time, um, he, you know, I'm sure he had his injuries that he had to work around, you know, and, 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 uh, shorten things up here and, and do some tricks, but like, but here like 88, 89, 90, like he still was, you know, flair of, and his prime and doing hell of a hell of a great job. It's great matches. All right. So the pay-per-view was the saving grace for Crockett, right? Like they, if they were trying to uh, make big money on pay-per-views so they could compete, they were uh, there's a lot of expenses going out from you know the office that they had in Dallas along with the Atlanta stuff and these jets and so you know expenses and the hope was that the Great American Bash was going to do a great buy rate and they were going to make a lot of money on this show. And it turns out that the buy rate was about a half of what they had hoped for. Um, and, and so that kind of hurts their money situation, you know, sort of talking about why they would have to sell to, to Turner. Um, they owe wrestlers balloon payments based on, you know, houses and, and uh, being a draw and all that stuff. Uh, so that the balloon payments uh, are are owed, and they're also laid on bills because you got to remember they were paying for syndication back then, mm-hmm. right? You weren't you weren't getting paid to put TV on. You were paying for your tapes to run in markets that you would eventually then run house shows in, and you're getting advertisement for those for those house shows. So they are not doing great from a business perspective. And uh, and you know I was mentioning the the homes cleared. It was actually closer to nine million instead of ten, because of you know certain issues. As pay per view back then wasn't easy. Like you you would have to call on the phone, and sometimes you couldn't get through. And sometimes if there were too many orders coming in, you know you couldn't get through for a long time. So you know there there's stuff going on with that, and just the fact that you know there was a million homes that they couldn't clear that they that they thought they could clear. Mm-hmm. So uh, ratings at this point also down. So not things you know things not going great for the company at this point um because of these balloon payments that they're missing uh, and not not being able to pay guys on i think it actually null and voids their contract so let's say that you have a two-year deal and they owe you money and they're supposed to pay you this balloon payment by march and then they haven't paid you yet it may have actually opened these guys up to become free agents uh at the time 
So there's tons of talk around this time post Great American Bash, and we even talked about this on the on the last uh, We Want Flair. Flair's talking to Vince, right? Like he's he's like Vince, you know, he's talking to Vince. You know, can I come in? Vince, you know, has ideas, uh, but he's not the only guy. And Tully and Arn quit in the fall. And they go to WWE, and the reason is because they they hadn't received their money, but also because they just didn't like Dusty. They didn't like their they didn't like the booking. They didn't like the fact that Dusty was putting himself over more than everybody else, and so uh, and so that was you know that's part of the reason. And they were able to leave, so uh, they would eventually. Um, they 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 would have actually a lot of these guys you know when they would actually do the sale for uh, two Turner and I mentioned the balloon payments those were actually debts on Crockett and those guys would actually get their money but like forty cents on the dollar so mm-hmm. think you know you're supposed to get like a hundred thousand dollar check and it comes in and it's like forty thousand dollars so uh, Dave Meltzer again you know I'm getting a lot of this from the eighty eight observers he says he knows that one guy was out a hundred and twenty thousand dollars because of this wow. that's nuts yeah that that sucks. Uh, so the good thing though is rematches between Rick and Lex are actually doing really great. They're you know the, the that program after the Great American Bash is is doing solid business. So I mentioned the syndication thing because they're having trouble paying for TV. They're losing uh, some of those outlets, and really what they're looking to do is they're just trying to settle their debts because Turner will not buy them unless they can settle the debts. He doesn't want to take on all the debts that they owe. So they're trying to pay off all these debts. So they owe Bill Watts $3 million for the purchase of UWF. They don't, they have not paid him for that. Um, in JR's book, he mentions that he's supposed to have 5% of that. So when they get the sale, he's supposed to get 5% of, of Watts's money. And at this time, they're also looking to settle with Watts for uh a percentage uh, as well. So, uh, you know, the short story here is that JR gets screwed out of uh, out of his his 5%. He gets something, but I think he said in his book that uh Watts told him he will he will cut him a check for I don't know, let's say $100,000, but JR has to fly out there and he has to take Watts out to like an amazing dinner before he gets the money from uh, from Watts. Jesus, my goodness. <laughs> So, um, not only are there rumors about Flair leaving for WWF, also Luger. Luger Luger talks about in his book about talking to Vince McMahon definitely before he does show up there in uh, 92, I guess, with the, with, with the WBF stuff. Yeah, you, so, uh, it makes sense that these guys will all start, you know, they start seeing the writing on the wall and start thinking, hey, I don't know how long this is going to last. So yeah, the in. future. Hey, you got to check in and see your value and see what... You know, what New York can offer you. So Rick still does not have an opponent for Starcade. We're already in the fall. Starcade is in December. There are rumors that Steamboat is going to come back to NWA and uh, be Flair's opponent for Starcade. Wow. That's, I did not know that. That's awesome. I didn't know that either. <laughs> um, so uh, Turner finally purchases uh, the company in late October slash early November. And the company is going to be overseen by the president, Jack Petrick. Crockett is still around. He eventually, uh, I think technically his title was that he, w- he was the booker. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Jack Petrick is the guy. And he is soon going to hire somebody who uh, becomes a little bit of a, of a 
I don't know, negative figure in, in wrestling history. So uh, Flair is frustrated, uh, and he no-shows a couple cities and basically threatens to quit. He does not like his finishes. He thinks all of these DQ finishes and these dusty finishes are actually bad for business, but also bad for himself. And there's an idea that uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, who is incoming, is going to do some shots with Rick, and Rick turns it down, saying, why do I want to defend my title against a WWF mid-carder before he even you know, shows himself as a top guy in the NWA. So he shoots down Bammer. And um, in November, so mid-November, Dave writes something very cryptic in the issue saying, Flair is wielding his power and that Crockett has always backed Dusty, but he believes TBS will back Rick. So we get to closer to Starcade. Dusty and Jim Crockett want the match to be Flair versus Rick Steiner. We've talked about that a lot. You know, Dusty wants Steiner to quickly beat Rick and take the title from him. You know, it's sort of a power play, power move to show, you know, who's who's sort of the guy or who 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 has the power. And uh, Flair actually gets the match changed to Luger. Dusty then, and you'll I would have never guessed this. Dusty actually tries to change it from Luger, and this is in The Observer, so I don't think Dave would have got worked here because of all the people he's talking to at this time. Tenru. <laughs> That's wacky. Imagine, imagine a Starcade 88 True Grit Ric Flair versus Tenru. I mean, that match happened later on in uh, SWS Japan, and it actually happened in also in All Japan before that, but... Uh, um, it would have been a good match, but no, not for not that not not United States, no, and Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia would have, <laughs> not have cared the for scope. Yeah, the scope. the scope. One of, my, one of my favorite buildings, by the way, for wrestling shows. Uh, would not have cared for that match at all. So, okay, so uh, Dusty just saw Rick kind of uh, throw his weight around, no shows, and and get, gets his way. So Dusty decides that that's what he's going to do. So he actually has a, a title match with Rick on the road, and he no shows that match. Uh, he he called he you know, he called in sick essentially, and uh, Dave calls it uh, the Dusty Flu. He says that's what people were calling it back then. Was you know, anytime Dusty wasn't there, this oh he he might have the Dusty Flu. And so um, you know this is a this is a common theme with with the first three three now months of uh, We Want Flair is just sort of the Rick versus Dusty feud. And in this case, Dusty loses this one. He is forced to resign in December. And not only that, but Crockett himself is going to be out on January 1. So not only does Dusty lose the power play, but also Jim Crockett will also be out of power by January 1. So the reason is because Dusty does the angle with the Road Warriors where he gets spiked in the eye and blood goes everywhere. And this is after a angle in which Jim Cornette bled from getting hit with the phone mm -hmm. and TBS basically telling, uh, telling uh, the guys like, look, we cannot do this blood stuff anymore. And then Dusty immediately did it after that. Yeah, they just causes, like, you know, the, the old, uh, the old memo came through from, the Turner people regarding blood, and then all of a sudden, yeah, that's when Dusty does the, the show, you know, throws his weight around, and I'm gonna do it. I don't give a crap, and he does the blood angle with 
the Road Warriors, and that was a mistake, big time. So Dusty, uh, after being outpowerplayed by Ric Flair, decides that he's only going to book Rick on five shows in December. <laughs> so Rick's Rick's not doing a whole lot there before uh, for Starcade. Um, Dusty obviously Dusty wanted the Steiner Flair match, and part of that reason is because Rick is actually kind of hot at this point. He he's you know he's doing a lot of stuff with uh, Kevin Sullivan that people are finding entertaining, but he's also from a fan perspective you know he he's one of the up-and-comers uh but you know this is where petrick overruled dusty and made the change to lex and if if you know dave basically said it is it it stems from madisic being called in to sort of fix things because you have these feuding you know groups and and uh, they needed some help in in order to 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 get to get the, the card ready so jim hurd who i who was the guy that that petrick hired is the executive VP, we we talked a lot about Hurd's relationship with Rick at the end of uh, the last We Want Flair with uh, Fujinami, sort of the post the post uh, angle of Flair and Hurd just not getting along, which leads to Flair leaving for WWF. But this is three. This is you know two and a half years earlier, and uh, and 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 Hurd is the guy running the show. Petrick is the president overseeing everything, but he gives Hurd the keys to the car. Okay, so that kind of catches us up. One more thing, and, and we're gonna wa- we'll talk about the actual Flair versus Luger Starcade match next week on on this show. The uh, did you know that after Starcade, after the pay per view portion of this show, that they did a bunkhouse stampede? Yes, yes, I did know that. I forget who you, won it though. And you know who won? No, you don't. You don't remember who won? Is it Manny Fernandez? No, I'm <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. JYD. Uh, yay. <laughs> JYD, who had just been fired by WWF. And uh, he, he took Nikita's spot on that pay per view, yep. right? Uh, it was Ivan Koloff. It was supposed to be Ivan Nikita's tag team versus the the Russian assassins who were in mass, who were Jack Victory, Mr. Reliable, and um, Angel of Death um, from Texas. So, yeah, I do remember that. And that match was a whole lot of nothing. And uh, JYD did not look like anything. He <laughs> poor guy was def- definitely—he uh, was a shot of himself from the good old mid south days. So the story on Nikita leaving is that there was a doctrine that all of the guys had to fly in and out of Atlanta. So let's say you live. I think Nikita lived in Charlotte, so he would—you uh, know—he would basically fly out and fly in from Charlotte. But the doctrine was that they had to actually fly in from Atlanta. I think this may have been one of like one of the first like TBS rules, and so Nikita quit. He was like, "Screw it, I, I can't." That that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, I think his wife was also his, his wife at the time. She was really sick with the I want to say Hodgkin's disease or something. But he shows up somewhere pretty quickly after. I think uh, Wrestle War '89. He's obsessed referee for the Road Warriors and uh, Varsity Club tag team match. No, but I'm talking about after, like, uh, he shows up in another company oh, pretty soon. Uh, God, where did he show up? It's a good question. Yeah, and and this is, you know, this is... Uh, oh, maybe it was uh, Nelson Royals promotion in Carolina. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, what if you're talking about what has aged the worst 
from this show in 1988 or this time frame in 1988 until now has to be Nikita's flat top. Yes, that's a that's a some serious. I mean, I had, I had a flat top because I wanted to look like the Terminator when I was a kid. He, Nikita had it like too froey up, man. Oh he was, my he was, god, he's almost going for the kid and play. <laughs> it was so weird. He's he was this killer with the bald head, and then mm-hmm. he gets the flat top, and he looks kind of like a. And well, he also lost a lot of his size too. Yeah, I think y'all. I think a lot of it, when he got married and things started changing and. I think you know. I think something a lot to do with his wife getting sick. He got off the he got off the goody good and uh, got a little lighter. But you know, yeah, yeah. He's he's still had that explosiveness though. Uh, he's definitely had that. So let's uh, let's end it here, and we will talk about the match next week. Um, I have not yet watched the Starcade stuff yet. I wanted to wait to watch it after we talked about it. But uh, you know, from what I remember, it was a really good show. So yeah, I'm kind of excited to rewatch it. Show's really, really good. There's a lot of good matches. Midnight Express versus Midnight Express, original Midnight Express. Um, what, you know what's funny about that show? Now we talk about Rick Steiner being booked to. Uh, well, I guess Dusty's not booking. Well, Dusty's there though. He's right. He's not booking, but he wrestles in that show. He teams yeah. Sting versus the Road Warriors. Um, I'm sure his influences were still sort of felt throughout that card. But you would think like he was pushing so hard for Rick Steiner to get this big, quick win over uh, Flair for the title. But what he was changed to him working, Rick Steiner working, Mike Rotunda for the TV title, which is the real natural feud there because they were building that up for, for months. The tension between them and finally they turned on him and, and then a big match for the TV title. That match goes like 26 minutes. I know. So, I know. It's so long. So, I mean, that could have been a match where, you know, big, you know, Kevin Sullivan pops up on the apron, tries to hit him with the spike. You know, Steiner, you know, hits Sullivan down, returning from behind with me in the knee to the back, whips him in, duck under a clothesline, bam, big Steiner line, one, two, three. That would have been freaking awesome. You know, something quick and, and shocking like that. But then they go, they go 26 minutes, which wasn't a bad match. It's just a long match. For it, they, they had to teach the young kid how to work, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> um, uh, but it just was too long. I thought that. Remember, I remember that about that that show too. And I love, 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 love the Bam Bam Bigelow versus Barry Windham match because the f- just just not it's a lot of fun in itself. And Barry is freaking awesome. And Bam Bam's you know such a you know big man moving doing all his tricks in this match. Um, the finish might have been a little disappointing, but uh, the but my favorite part of this match is Jim Ross's call. When he when Barry Windham locks in the claw, man, just listen, just just tune in, man. Listen to Ross. It's just epic Ross right here with the claw in on Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, I this guy guy sounds, sounds so dorky, but as a kid, you used to have those portable tape recorders. Mm-hmm. I love this call so much. I had I taped it on my and I would listen to it on my you know big speakers in my room on my on my on my cassette tape. I would tape this call, and I just remember like loving it so much that I did that so i can hear it on my big loud speakers even loud in my room so should it should have been uh your your ringtone on when you got a cell phone yeah god I, I it's been a while since i've seen that match and that call but i'm sure it's gonna uh give me goosebumps when i hear it because it's 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 epic jim ross and jim ross is very 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 best in my opinion all right so that's gonna end it here so uh just kind of talking you know going back to the beginning of the show we talked about wrestling you know things changing and things shutting down for us if uh you know let i don't think raw and smackdown will stop 
Um, I don't think AEW and NXT will stop, but may- maybe they will. And they possibly, you know, we possibly may be in a, in a paused state with that stuff. But, you know, it'll just allow us to double down on on this We Want Flair stuff and, you know, maybe watch some other stuff that that uh, we can talk about from our from our days uh, uh, that people may be interested in. So, you know, we'll we'll still be we'll still be doing stuff no matter what, because, you know, obviously uh, there's going to be stuff uh, not only in, in wrestling, but in MMA and boxing too, that we'll be able to talk about. So there's lots of stuff we can do. Lots of people we can talk to people we can bring on if we, if we need to. So yeah, we, we, we will keep going on every week uh, like normal from here. So I uh, hope everyone liked that. I hope everyone got a kick out of the, the old stuff, the, the, the flair Luger stuff. And, you know, also with big Dave, that stuff is always so fun for me to do. So I hope people enjoy it. But uh, I think that's it from here. So for John, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.